Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today, we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each one of us. Peace be with you. Friends, our first reading for this fifth Sunday of Lent is taken from the 31st chapter of the book of the prophet Jeremiah. And there's a passage I want to draw your attention to at the very beginning here, which is super easy to remember because it's Jeremiah 31, 31. 31st chapter of Jeremiah, 31st verse. When you get your Bibles out today, find that little passage. It is one of the most pivotal in the entire Bible. And now here it is. The days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. The days are coming when a new covenant I will make. Well, as you know, the God of the Bible is a covenant-making God. Covenants aren't contracts. Those are kind of exchanges of goods and services. Covenants are more an exchange of hearts. So God says, I will be your God, you'll be my people, and then under certain conditions. So we have the covenant with Noah, for example, sealed with the sign of the rainbow. You got the covenant with Abraham, sealed with the sign of circumcision. Abraham, I will make you the father of of many nations. You have the great covenant with Moses, Remember, he seals it by by sprinkling blood on on the altar and blood on the people. But the covenant with Moses, that's accompanied by the Ten Commandments and all of the moral and liturgical instructions of the book of Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers. We have the great covenant with David. You know, a descendant of yours I'll place on your throne and his reign will last forever. And then David's covenant is sealed by all of the sacrifices in the temple. God makes laws and agreements and covenants with Israel, trying to bring them into conformity with his own mind and will. Now, here's the thing about all these covenants and all their various prescriptions. Are they good? Sure, they're good. But they tended to remain, if we, if we pay attention to the Old Testament, they tended to remain somewhat external to the people. They didn't reach all the way into their hearts. You know an example from learning a sport or learning a musical instrument or learning a language? You know, you can read the rule book in regard to these things, and that's helpful. You understand the basic principles of hitting a baseball or, you know, playing a guitar. Um, But until those laws work their way into your into your body and your mind and your instincts, well, then you can't really play the instrument or you can't really play the game or speak the language. There's that wonderful moment, and anyone that's gone through this process recognizes it, when these things that were at one time very foreign to us, you know, I always think of of the golf example because it's such a hard move, and you study the diagrams of what that swing should look like. And when you try it, you feel so awkward because it's just difficult. But the moment when it gets so into you that it's sort of second nature, 
Trust me, it hasn't happened to me perfectly with golf or with a foreign language. You know, you're studying the syntax and grammar and declensions and conjugations and all these principles and rules, but they're so extrinsic to you. But then there's this moment. Sometimes it happens when you're, you're dreaming. I remember when I was learning French and living over in Paris, the first time I had a dream in French is I realized, okay, this has now reached its way into me. These laws aren't external to me. They're now becoming second nature. Now, with that in mind, revisit Jeremiah 31, 31. The days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of, of Judah. So, yes, the Noah covenant, yes, Abraham, yes, Moses, yes, David, all of that. He's not denying it. But the days are coming when something really new is going to happen. Now, what is it? What is it? Well, listen now just a, a touch later. I will place my law within them and write it upon their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. You see what's being described to everybody is precisely this moment now in the spiritual order when these external laws and prescriptions have now become so internalized that they're second nature to us. I will write my law not on tablets of stone, but on the flesh of your heart. See, that's what Jeremiah 31, 31 is predicting. Okay? Now, fast forward from the time of Jeremiah, oh, almost 600 years, and we come to this rabbi from Nazareth, Yeshua, who's preaching the kingdom of God, drawing people into the power of this new way of seeing, new way of being come to the climax of his life as he enters Jerusalem to the adulation of the crowds. Oh, he's so famous that all of Israel wants to be with him, but we hear even Greeks or even outsiders want to come to see him. Our gospel now is about this moment when Greek speakers are seeking out the Lord Jesus. He says to them, the hours come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And they probably thought, oh, that sounds pretty good. So this celebrity figure, this great moral and spiritual religious teacher whom we've been attracted to, and yes, the time of his glorification has come. Terrific. But then listen, as he describes what that glory consists in, I solemnly assure you, unless the grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains just a grain of wheat, but if it dies, it produces much fruit. Okay, this, this great figure, this celebrity, this, this religious leader, and his glorification's coming. And what's he talking about? Dying? Listen, listen, everyone, to this line again, because this sums up all the law and all the prophets. You want Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, you want all the, the laws, you want all the covenants, all the prescriptions, they come down to this. Because this is now the Torah made flesh. This is the word made flesh speaking. He's summing up the law. Unless the grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains just a grain of wheat. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. That's a great image, everybody. 
And I want to spend a little bit of time with it. I want you to, to make this a focus of your meditation. Think of that little grain of, of wheat, that little seed, hard, you know, protected. Seeds can last, I mean, a long time. They, they found seeds that they can still plant that are from like tens of thousands of years ago. A seed squirreled away, I mean, can, can retain its integrity. But unless the seed, listen now, dies, unless it breaks open, unless it gives itself away, it remains just this little tight, hard, protected shell. But if it dies, look what it produces. You know, I'm out here in California. If you go up the coast now a few hours and you come to those great redwood trees, some of the most magnificent plants on the planet, Think of that redwood tree, this huge thing. It's been around for thousands of years in some cases. How did it start? It starts as this little tiny seed. And if you'd squirreled that seed away somewhere, it would just be that, just this little thing. But because it died, it broke itself open. It gave itself away. It gave rise to this magnificent organism. So it goes now in the spiritual order. What does the world teach us? To stay at these little self-contained protected seeds. Oh, no, no. You know, whatever you got, hang on to it because it's a, the world's a dangerous place. The, the goods that you have, hang on to them, protect them. Mind you, and I don't want to overstate this, don't write me letters, but you know what I hate? I hate the language of safe spaces. And I know we don't want people being treated with, you know, gratuitous verbal violence and all that stuff. Of course, I'm against all that. But there's something about a culture that's putting such a premium on being safe. Oh, no, keep me safe. Oh, no, it's dangerous. Stay, stay protected. We're not meant for safe spaces, everybody. We're meant for spiritual adventure. You know, you know what love is? The trouble, you know, that word in English, it just has automatically sentimental overtones. Love, as Dostoevsky famously put it, is harsh and dreadful. Why? Because love means exactly this. It means the cracking open of one's life. It means not living in a safe space. It means giving one's life away with a kind of reckless abandon. Unless the grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains just a little safe space. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. Look at the saints now. You know, I've been reading a lot of uh, Walter Chizik recently. That's a famous American Jesuit who as a young kid volunteered, put his hand up when he heard the call that, that Pope Pius XI wanted to send priests into the Soviet Union where religion was being persecuted, but he knew his people were in danger. Are there priests willing to take the risk? And young Walter Chizik just put his hand up, me, send me, I'll go. And, and off he went to study in Rome to prepare himself. And then he, he enters into Russia at this horrific time, right when the Nazi the, the war was going on and Stalin, he gets himself arrested. He spends 23 years 
in solitary confinement or at hard labor in Siberia. Talk about someone that didn't live in a safe space. He broke his whole life open. And look at the fruit that it's born. Now, now we're 30 or what, 40 years after his death, but a book he wrote when he got home finally called He Leadeth Me has been drawing people into the power of the Christian life. Think of right at that time when Walter Chizik was, was in prison in Russia, not too many hundreds of miles to the west, in the terrible Auschwitz death camp. This Franciscan priest comes forward when one of his cellmates was going to be put to death, and he said, I, I'm, I'm a Catholic priest, take me. And Maximilian Kolbe, in that moment, when he allowed his life to be broken open, when he gave himself away, unleashed a spiritual power that remains vibrant all over the world. Now, suppose at that key moment, and no one would have blamed him if Kobe had tried to protect himself, and let's say he, he survived the war and then lived, I don't know how many more years afterwards, he would have been, you know, remembered and reverenced by his friends and family, but then probably promptly forgotten about. But instead, he broke his life open. He didn't live in a safe space. He risked. You know, in, in so many of the great stories of, of the hero's journey, think of whether it's Bilbo and Frodo in, in the Lord of the Rings, it's, it's Hercules and, and in, in the ancient myths, it's Luke Skywalker in our modern myth of Star Wars. What do you find? Same thing. These people don't live in a safe space. They're drawn out of the safe space. Think of the little cozy hobbit house of Bilbo. You know, it's meant to be very, very cozy and comfortable and, oh, I don't want... No, no, he's called out of that, out of that onto an adventure. And from that breaking open of self comes this extraordinary spiritual power. That's it, everybody. That's what the Word made flesh says. Unless the grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains just a grain of wheat, but if it dies, it produces much fruit. Now, just the last point. Go a few days after he said this. The night before he dies, Jesus takes bread. This, this bread, this is my body given for you. And then, listen now to me, everybody, listen to me. Over the chalice, this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and everlasting covenant. What's he talking about? Jeremiah 31, 31. The days are coming, says the Lord, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. I will place my law within them. Every time we attend Mass, we hear those words. And what's Jesus doing? But he is anticipating when he will break his life open giving himself away on the cross, unless the grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains just a grain of wheat. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. Now, you come forward at Mass, and the priest or the deacon or the minister says, the body of Christ and the blood of Christ, and you say amen, and then you ingest those elements. <laughs> What's happening? Listen, I will place my law within them. I will write it upon their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Be careful what you eat, everybody, because what you're eating and drinking is this law. 
is the law of the new and everlasting covenant, which is now going to be inscribed in your body, on your mind, and in your heart. That's the whole spiritual life. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.